0: This call may be recorded or transcribed. Oh, man. Hello. How you doing?
1: Not bad. A little groggy. Up early and on the go. Yeah. How's your drive going?
2: That's all right. I'm uh, about
1: 50 miles out from Tucson. Okay, so I'm almost there, sort of. You've been going pretty much all day.
2: Yeah, I left at like 11, 11:30.
1: Wow. How is long driving for you? Is it relaxing? Is it?
0: Yeah, it's okay.
1: Not bad. I don't
2: mind it. It's better than flying, in my opinion. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't like dealing with those TSA idiots. Ah,
0: dude, I got groped at
2: the last time. Actually. I
0: was wow. like,
2: did I just get, mol- did I get Did I just get molested? Should I have a a thing about this? Do I need to go counseling? And I, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell. Wow yeah and it was so obvious i didn't have anything so i just figured you know what they're just minimum wage people who probably didn't even graduate from high school
1: hey watch what you say about people who didn't graduate from high school
2: yeah well the ones that end up creating companies and stuff they're not in this i don't mean it the same way as people end up as security want to be security guards that's that's all different
1: okay. class. Well, what about if you what about try to create wannabe companies? It decides until I actually create a successful company, it may not be that much of a difference. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I forgot. I guess you didn't, but you went to MIT and Caltech, and you have a doctorate. So <laughs> that's true.
1: It does make a difference. the socially approved stamp of I am smart and I can accomplish things has both market value and psychological value. Right. Right. I mean, my,
2: my thing was, I was really just trying to put down TSA people, yes. which may not be nice. Maybe, maybe it's not godly, but you know what?
1: I didn't like that. So anyway, that's what we wanted to talk about on the Becoming Loki podcast. We'll see if we make this an official episode or not. But so, is it their incompetence or the fact that they're authority figures, or is this a two together that is so annoying?
2: Yeah, I guess it's the two together. Like, I don't feel like they've earned
1: that. The right, power trip. is gonna be one of those podcasts, okay? <laughs>
2: What? What? No, I don't. I don't feel like they earned it. Like, I don't feel like they're, I don't think a lot of them are really that smart. And I, I, there's, I mean, it's like, what have you done to earn this, to have this control and power? And a lot of them, it seems like it's just because they know that, then they, it goes to their head.
1: And no no one talks about this. So let's, let's, let's go with this. So what if, So, if it had been an actual policeman, or say, like, you know, let's go really hardcore, say it was like an Israeli soldier, like someone who's actually in combat or whatever, uh, would that have changed your feelings about it? Um,
2: Yeah, I'd send the whole police officers and military people uh, uh, definitely above, um, like, allied security people and TSA.
1: So what is it about them that sort of gives? So is that is that a matter? I mean, so you might be offended, but you wouldn't have felt the sort of contempt you felt. Uh, right. Okay. I think that's true.
2: I could go with that.
1: Well, so that's interesting, right? Because say, I think this is, I think we've already established a level of political incorrectness, which is perfectly in keeping with the the topic. Um, like our Black Lives, like people in the Black Lives Matter movement tend to feel a similar sort of contempt for the police that you do sure. for the PSA.
0: it's or do, Yeah. Valid.
1: Yeah. So,
0: um, and it's just an interesting
2: question, why? Um... So in that case, they've been picked on, man.
1: They've gotten a horrible deal. So there's a pattern there. So what I'm hearing is that the system... the Right, right, right. So, the, 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 so this is interesting. So there's the... Um, because of the consequences that they... So interestingly, what I'm hearing is kind of you tend to respect the military and the police because you sort of trust the process, whereas they may have contempt for the police because they don't want the, they don't trust the results.
2: Yeah, the police have broken the process for the main part, for the most part, it seems, for yeah,
1: those people. Well, no, no, no. i yeah. So but what's interesting is that, well, and this is great. This is very on topic for the podcast. Like, what is the process of trust that is associated with the police? Um,
2: I suppose for me, it's just. habitual thought about uh, uh, from how I was raised, right? To think about them. Right. Well, and,
1: uh,
2: and they got the yeah. guns and they got the guns to hopefully, I trust in general, protect me from the bullies because I don't have the guns and I don't have the size or the training or the power. Right. So
0: this is this is good.
2: But if I was black, I wouldn't feel that way. I'd be like, oh, crap, what are they going to do to me?
1: Right. And I think what's interesting is that there's two really subtle things here. One is sort of the idealistic view that, you know, the police are here to protect uh, the innocent from the wicked. Right? That was That's kind of the, when we grow up, that's kind of the image we have of them. Right. right, and you know disturb protect right, so this is to serve and protect too, and a uh you know a naive reading is the innocent from the wicked, but a more subtle reading is they're here to protect society <coughs> um from those who are against the rules of society. is, I think, also fair, but a little bit more problematic.
0: Mm.
1: Right? So like, what is the wonderful... Was it Voltaire who said, the law in its marvelous equality forbids rich and poor alike from stealing bread and sleeping in the streets? Mm. Right? And, and it raises the question, um, is sincerely... Inherently
2: good or accidentally good? What?
1: Which is is, is society inherently
2: good? Or is it just sort of aspirationally
1: Uh, good? That's a good question. I don't know anymore. (laughs) I think and I think that is exactly that, that is precisely this idea of becoming low key, right? Is like you and I were raised in a world sort of Ronald Reagan's America, right? Where you're yeah. really the good guy the commies are the bad guys that and you know, also fairly in conservative Christian bubbles where, you know, America was founded on righteous Christian principles and it's only those godless communists and you know, whatever it was back then. It was the gays and the liberals and Hollywood. They're all, you know, the bad guys, and we're the good guys. And, you know, if everyone just saw like us, we'd all be great. Right. And and also the sense of, like, America used to be perfect and wonderful, and it's only when we strayed away from our founding principles that all this horrible stuff started happening. Right. Right. We were righteous source serving righteous ODIN. It was only that damn Loki trying to mess things up that caused all our problems. Yeah. But,
2: I mean, I think a lot of the problem now is that this lack of, uh, like, accountability doesn't matter anymore. That's what's scary. Well,
1: and the problem is, is accountability to who, Right. Like, right. been should we have been accountable to Richard Nixon? Like 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 well accountability kind of used to mean respect for authority. Right? Right. But, but then respect for authority's gotten a lot more complicated. Like, you know, it's funny, I went to a church that was uh just visiting and they talk about like, you know, a problem with kids. whatever, whatever, yeah,
0: of course,
2: People to see, so you know they don't want to be seen shooting someone. Nowadays, it's just like,
1: watch me, let me shoot
2: this person. So in
1: the past, it was totally okay to do evil as long as nobody saw you. Right. Right. If you're Harvey Weinstein and you're abusing women and no one talks about it, you're good. Right. (laughs) Right. If you, you know, Uh, if if you're that's horrible. uh, That's bad. Right. But now when.
2: Now when you can do it in open and private, I mean that's even scarier, right?
1: Yeah, and like the uh you know the the, the this is the so the the thing is is that and, and this is I guess the to answer my previous question, this is the terrifying thought is that there is one sense in which just having society is a good thing. You know, that, like, if everyone at least pretends to follow the rules, that it kind of keeps everyone in check and things, you know, could be rotten at the core, but at least we have a facade of normalcy so things can function, even if it really sucks if you're on the wrong end of the stick. At least society as right. a whole gets to functioning, Right. And yeah. the problem is, of course, those who get these shorter the sticks are saying, "No, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. Everyone is lying." And we're like, "No, shut up. Come on, life isn't that bad." And like, you know, and it's almost like, "Don't spill the secret because if you do, it'll all fall apart."
0: Yeah. And
1: it's like once you realize, like, well, everyone is corrupt. Everyone is tainted. Uh, like everyone lies. Who do you believe? Then it's like crap. Well, then society, then you end up with Somalia, right? <laughs> Right, You know, I mean, like, I went to the George Floyd uh, Memorial in Minnesota, and it's, like, kind of impressive, kind of sad, and frankly, kind of pathetic, right? It's, like, this area where there's, like, hardly any business, hardly any, uh, like, there's, there's a certain organic beauty to it. There's people doing, like, lemonade stands and flowers and street art. But, you know, the, the uh, you know, there's, there's there's not a lot of life and energy in the street, right? This is not, like, you know, like Harlem, you know, under segregation was this hotbed of culture because talented blacks had no choice but to live there. And there was a certain solidarity they had against you know, the white oppressors. And now all the sort of educated and wealthy blacks leave Harlem, I guess maybe coming back again, but, you know, but, like, you know, certainly this like these weird oppressive class lines, which were horribly cruel and unjust, perversely created a certain sense of vitality and solidarity in the Black community, which is gone. Mm. You know, and and vice versa, right? I mean, the and um and so, can you remember when it shifted for you?
2: Um. Well, I mean, what my
1: like you sense my, of like, yeah, we're the good guys. Everyone should be like us. The system is basically good.
2: Uh, just over uh, yeah, the last let's see, ten years. Okay. I mean. It started gradual, right? And then then when you hear more and more and you see more stories that get reported about racism and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. then it just sort of, it gets heavier and heavier, right? So you kind of, your realization kind of increases faster at a faster momentum.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I realize.
2: that not everyone has the same experience so like well even on a innocent like not not a terrible level like we're talking about in these situations but just a situation where like in the workplace right um i was having a time of my life at file net with my friends sam and and bill but they didn't like each other and they're having and then bill is having problems with our supervisor but she liked me, I liked her. I don't know what the beef was between them. So, Bill, you know, I finally realized uh, toward the end of our time there that, you know, not everyone's having the same experience that I am. That was like an eye opening thing for me. It was like, Bill, uh, what year was here? that? Was, what? What year was that? Oh, that was back in 2000. I was there from 99 to like 2004. Okay. And so, like, I realized that Sam, you know, Sam was complaining a lot about the place. <laughs> Bill was, and I realized, you know, I I was the one in a really good position because they all liked me, but they didn't like each other. And and Bill was having problems with Mickey, our supervisor. But I and again, I don't really know what went on there. But she was great as far as I was concerned. <laughs> and I realized that yeah. you know, not everyone has the same, not everyone has the same experience.
1: Yeah, the other one has the same reality. Right. Yeah. No. And so this is I asked the second question. Then is that when did you start to hate the system? Because there's only—I mean, remember falling down. I guess was the Michael Douglas movie. Yeah. And was that the—you know, was that the first time you were sort of identifying? Or, you, so what, this is when you're sort of aware that there are people who didn't. The system's not working for. But there's also a part of you that actually really does hate the system.
2: Yeah. I, I do.
1: It's, it's and great. when did that start? Uh when, falling down was like ninety eight. Was it that long ago? Well hmm, what
0: did
1: I eat? I feel like we were all still in um I feel, like we were all, I feel like we were all still in Los Angeles when that came out.
2: Yeah, it might have been. I don't remember when that was. The 90s. <laughs> That's how is. I just saw it again streaming recently. <laughs>
1: uh, but anyway, let's Maybe assume it's first. the mid-90s. So, so like even then, this idea of this Middle aged white guy who's been screwed over by the system and goes postal really resonated with you.
2: Right, because that's what I wanted to do, but I could never do.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so, so how long do you think you wanted to do that, do you think? Do you, do you have any memories before that of feeling that way? Um,
2: well, I know I don't – well, I don't know how far back, like, that would go. Uh. I didn't like, like, well, I didn't like a lot of people when I was in elementary school. Before I, you know, when I was in secular secular elementary school. Like, kindergarten through second grade, through the end of second grade. Um, I hated Oneana and I hated South Pass. Uh... So, I don't know, like, I suppose back then right
1: group or your community, and somehow that more seemed a sense of alienation from the system,
0: yeah.
2: So, what system are we talking about?
1: That is an excellent corporate question. Ameri-
2: the corporate American system? The corporate American mix with the school system, education, or that with church? Uh, I mean, I think the I- short answer Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, just because my disdain for those various things occurred at, th- at different times.
1: So that's interesting, right? So this is the – so the – so let me try and phrase it this way then. is It feels like there's – I mean, the short answer is Western civilization uh, because all these institutions, the church, you know, business, uh, communities, you know, police, military, you know, whiteness, if you will are all kind of tied up in that, and it kind of feels like maybe this is a journey for you right is that you always felt a little bit out of place, and I think initially you just told yourself, well, it's just that these particular people are jerks, or this particular neighborhood is jerks, but you still have sort of a deep sense of like well, maybe the maybe it's just me and maybe the uh you know it's just these or it's just these people here. But as you've grown in your life and progressed, the, you know, your experiences have deepened. And whatever this sense of alienation you have, like, it's not like you suddenly meet this one group and it's like, oh, yes. So I was like, this is the place I actually belong. I and mean, these people really are genuine and this system really is designed for everyone to succeed. It's like there's a moment like that. And then you experience this sort of profound disillusionment and you realize, oh, wait this thing sort of sucks the same way that those other things suck. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So I just go back to life is messy.
1: What are you going to do? Well, I'll say follow one episode. What we're going to do but I got have another five or ten minutes before my son shows up. Uh, I, I can give you my version of that story. Um, okay. And actually, and I wasn't thinking about this earlier, but it's probably worth mentioning is that probably a big inflection point for me was Rodney King. Hmm. You remember? Um, and it was—I think it was just supposed to do. I think it was right when I was doing my oral defense of my thesis. So it'd been like '92, something like that. It was mm-hmm. literally the same week, if I recall. And what was interesting is that all of my conservative Christian friends were like, uh, like, what is wrong with these blacks? You know, they're destroying their own neighborhoods. And, you know, Rodney King was clearly a dangerous criminal. And I was saying, like, okay, yeah, I get that Rodney King is a dangerous criminal, and I get that. Like, this is really bad behavior. But it's like, why would they do that? Like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand how someone could be so angry and self-destructive and my response was not what is wrong with them but what is wrong with me that I don't understand them mm-hmm. so that was one big inflection point um and are doing a musical like getting Rodney King in there would be a really good operatic uh scene as a you know, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's got a lot of drama, especially his whole, like, why can't we all just get along, uh, you know, thing, uh, and so just a bookend to George Floyd. Um, but really, you know, the um, the trigger for me really was 9-11. You know, the was mm. planned maybe with Rodney King, but 9-11 was when um, – like I didn't see this coming. It really felt like, you know, the end of history, and you know, we won the Cold War, and we had the Roaring 90s and the dot-com era, and you know, there were problems, but like there, the problems didn't threaten my narrative. My narrative mm. was we're the good guys, you know, the, the moral majority, uh, the the right, the Christian right, and. You know, we've had some setbacks, we made some mistakes, but, like, we're basically on the right path. And then nine eleven happened, and it's like, okay, this is weird, and it's like, and, and like, I, I clearly heard both, both voices, right? And you hear mm-hmm. both the, you know, the conservative voice. What, what I realized later was that, like, everyone, nobody predicted that this was happening. All the people who were screaming about all the things wrong in the world. No one ever said... Like you know, we've got to change how we're treating the Middle East. We've got to deal with this issue here. Like, and suddenly it blows up on our faces. And what happens was, from my perspective, everyone said the same thing they were saying before, only louder. Well, it's because hmm. we, it's because we have. Like, the right was basically saying it's because. Well, they they think the West is morally decadent because we accept gays, just like we've been saying. That's the real problem here. That's why they hate us, and they should. And the left was saying, no, they hate us because it's, it's nothing to do with religion. It's all about economics. They hate us because we're capitalists. You know, explo, you know capitalists who are destroying the environment. That's the reason they hate us, and they should. And it's like, <laughs> and so I tried to tell the, the right wing party line. I wrote like a brief essay and said it to a friend of mine. He goes, you know, that doesn't seem very satisfying. And he was right. And it's like, okay, I don't have a good answer. Like, like, like. Should they hate us? Shouldn't they hate us? Like, you know, uh, and so that led me on this journey of trying to understand politics, which led me to try and understand economics, which led me to try to understand philosophy, which led me to try and to try to understand theology, which led me to try to understand psychology. <laughs> and ultimately, I ended up in this place called radical centrism. and I still remember, like, I feel like like a radical. Like, I feel like like all the answers that I've been given my whole life were not entirely true. And some of them were just blatantly false. Mm. You know? Because when you try to look at both sides, you realize, you know, the reasons the other side gives for why they hate us are at least as valid as the reasons that my side gives. And that's a terrifying thing when you've grown up being part of a tribe, to realize, like, what if your tribe – if you assume that your tribe is the good guys and all of the tribes are the bad guys, and suddenly you discover, well, maybe there's good reason to believe that your tribe is no better than anybody else. That's terrifying. Right. Like, that is – this, um, and the and – okay, I feel like I'm being radicalized, but I don't feel like – like, I have no respect for a radical right – like, I admire them as sort of a distance way for their fervor, but clearly they are just massively self deluded. <laughs> and just, yeah. you know, uh, about their own righteousness and the wrongs of the other side. And the same with the radical left. It's like, well, I, I guess I want to be the radical center. And this was the early days of the internet, 2001. It's like, that term had to have been used before somewhere. There's got to be some other. Or I think maybe I was just fooling to try and grab the domain name. And I figured to see if someone else used it. And I found that there was actually a radical centrist movement in the early 2000s. A New America Foundation, and then there was a Radical Middle newsletter, and Matthew Miller had an article about whether the Radical Center, and I think there was also even a a Wikipedia – no, I think I may have started the Wikipedia page on the Radical Center, um, or maybe I just took it – maybe it was already there and I found it and I improved upon it anyway. So anyway, that began this whole thing with Radical Center, and the thing was, at the time – I still consider myself a fairly conventional uh, conservative Christian, mm-hmm. although, you know, because of Hugh Ross, I'd kind of broken away from the strong fundamentalist seven-day young earth creationism during graduate school. But that was mostly because he convinced me I could be a biblical literalist and just reinterpret Genesis. So I was sort of theologically in the same camp, even if scientifically I'd started to diverge a little bit.
2: well. Um, have you gone
1: back to to young earth? No, I haven't gone back to that. But, like, that's how I was uh, raised. It was very much a young earth, seven-day you know, seven creationist, gotten arguments with my biology teacher in high school. You know, my dad is still there. But then, like, what I realized was, like, okay, you no. Know, at that point, I was like, I still believe in the Bible is being literal and everything that was written was fully inspired at the time. But... You know, there's some elasticity in how you define day and age and created and you can kind of stretch things to fit. It's called compatibilism. And so yeah, it's a little let's, weird let's... but but anyway, but so the thing is once one thing that started going down to the radical center I realized well wait, if I'm actually serious about taking all viewpoints seriously, then do I am I still committed to uh you know, the the sort of right-wing conservative narrative um, and what they consider essential. And where I ended up with, and sort of right now, like, okay, I'm willing to believe that a lot of these things might be true, but I'm willing to live the possibility that they might not be and that maybe it doesn't matter as much as everyone told me they did. Mm. You know, like, you know, I still believe the Bible is the authoritative word of God, but I don't even know what inerrant or infallible mean anymore and why that is even a useful thing to fight over.
0: Right.
1: And so, so that was, so, yeah.
2: So, well, you can't it's probably off of what you're trying to get at, but you, I don't know. You, you, in my opinion, you can't have you can't have the dinosaurs and have seven day creation or six, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and we know there are dinosaur bones. I don't think those are fake. Though I've heard people say they're all fake. I'm sorry, I don't believe
1: that. Right, or or the Fred Flintstone version where man and dinosaurs walk together like the Plucky River bat at the Creation uh, Research Museum. Am I wrong though? No, no, I think you're right. Right, and and like and the thing is, like, why the heck does this even matter? Like, why does this bec- why does this become the thing that defines Christianity when you believe in seven days old?
2: But then why does the Bible say six if it seven six seven whatever? If it's not really six seven.
1: Well, then, there's all sorts the of arguments about what the word, whether the word day, like the word day. Uh, uh, you know, this is what they call the day age theory, you know, the day was an age or whatever. Anyway, the. Uh, I should wrap up. I um, see a little bit more time on the road, and my son is good at ignoring me or listening, or at least not overly annoyed when I'm having these long, involved conversations. Let me just shift onto the headphones and the time. Going. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, yeah. two, three. this nope, that's not working. One more time. I hear you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get it into the headphones. Try to hit transfer, see if that makes a difference. Sure. Just the word mute on the screen on the right side. It says transfer for that. Hello. It's not working. I mean, yeah. Oh, there it is. It did. Made it great. Can you hear me now?
0: Yeah,
2: I can.
1: Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, Actually, it's better. Yeah. Well, here's what I realized. Is, is you might take on the, the whole seven-day creation thing is that the um, in the about a hundred years ago Christianity was going through a crisis, uh, and it was really the crisis of modernity, which was changing because it used to be that you basically had authorities who would tell you what was true, and you really had no other way to find out, so you just trusted them, right? Accountability, right? <laughs> Having authorities, that you know. And if you're a good person, you follow the authorities. If you're a bad person, you fight the authorities. So that's Mm. kind of falling apart with the American Revolution. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the whole, uh, and then um, in the 1800s, uh, you know, the nationalization and going away from local communities and a bunch of, I think, fairly well-meaning, generous, sacrificial individuals said, look, We Christians have been fighting about too many different things. We should just agree on a small number of things that are fundamental, because the real danger is all these secularists and liberals. And that's where they came up with the fundamentals, the idea that a seven-day creation and a uh, literal, infallible, inerrant word of God like, this was the rally and trying to get all these Christians to stop squabbling over 20-gallon Baptists versus 40-gallon Baptists and <laughs> all these things and say, hey, let's just focus on the fundamentals. And it was a really, you know, progressive way of doing it. It's like, let's get away from all the things that don't matter and focus on what truly matters. And it was a a brilliant move, and it had a lot going for it. The problem with the, all these moves is that they trade Pharisees Mm -hmm. because it's about about loyalty to the tribe and the traditions of the elders. Like I say, there's a lot of good things to be said about Pharisees. They tend to be very ethical. They tend to be very accountable. They hold others accountable. They hold each other accountable. They, they, you know, honor the tradition. They care a lot about the well-being of society. They're willing to, you know, endure extreme self-sacrifice and asceticism to to prove their loyalty and their devotion. There's just a minor detail that they end up killing Christ.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Both literally and figuratively. And so that was sort of my journey to radical centrism. But I have at that point, it was still very much sort of the Puritan reformer sense of okay, there's something deeply wrong with the system, but uh, hopefully we can reform it. Right. Things are bad, but they're not irredeemably bad. Right. We just need to right. get the right, you know, it's just, people are just confused and if we could just explain it to them and show them the truth and like get all the people who believe the right thing to work together, we can outcompete <laughs> all those people who are deeply deluded. Um, and So that was, uh, I guess the episode here was Loki on the road. This was on the road to being Loki, right? The sense Mm -hmm. of being alienated from the world around me, the sense that there's something deeply wrong, but that's not all the way to Loki yet. Uh, Because Loki is much more about the thing that is totally outside the system that can't be tamed by the system. Mm. and. That is the place where I think we are now, and that is the um, that you know. Sometimes we need a revolution rather than a reformation, and Mm. that that's a you know. So the the, you know. So I think you're you know. And maybe that's a good place to end this episode, and then we can pick that up sometime. When do you drive back?
2: Uh. Well, right now, maybe depends i mean if i right now the, the plan is saturday you know saturday morning during the day
1: on 7th okay but then you're also kind of there uh on your own um, did you are you like free in the evenings typically
0: uh kids yeah.
1: kids around the way you normally are during the week right okay so we can try and find some time During the week, I can ping you in the evening and see when you're free. We can schedule a follow up call. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, this was fun. I think this was a good episode.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was. All right, little man. Uh, I'm I'm
1: excited. (laughs) Cool. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon.
2: All right, sounds good. Bye. Love you,
1: man. Bye bye.
0: Love you, too.